Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sex, Love, and Psych. Uh, to continue on with Pride Month and the LGBTQ plus topics, this one isn't as specific to LGBTQ plus, but as I go on, you will realize why I've included it uh, in this month's series of episodes, as there is quite a difference in this gap between hetero relationships and same-sex relationships as well, as well as bisexual identifying people. Uh, so to get into it, I will be discussing what is referred to as the orgasm gap. Uh, everyone that had answered the poll that I put up on my Instagram and Facebook said they hadn't heard of it, which initially surprised me, but then I remembered that not everyone is so passionate about studying sex-related topics and things like this, and that I really needed to just check myself and not every- this isn't everybody's favorite focus, so... Moving on, you've probably heard of the wage gap, but apparently you haven't heard of the orgasm gap. So, what is it? It is not a sex clothing store, as one of my Facebook friends asked me, which I thought was hilarious. Thank you for that. Um, But, simply put, it's the gap in how frequently partners orgasm when engaged in sexual encounters. In an article from the Archives of Sexual Behaviors from 2018, they did a large U.S. sample. It was over 52,000 people. They were analyzed, and one of the questions that was asked was if they usually and or always orgasmed when sexually intimate. And these are the percentages that people gave. So in checking off Yes, I usually or always orgasm when socially intimate. Heterosexual men were at the very top, with 95% of them usually or always orgasming in these uh, sexual encounters. Then gay men at 89%, bisexual men at 88%, lesbian women at 86%, bisexual women at 66%, and hetero women came dead last in at... 65% compared to the hetero men at 95. Let's just keep that in mind. So as I said, this isn't specifically an LGBTQ plus issue or topic, but as you can see, there is some variance between hetero relationships and same-sex relationships, where a hetero man and woman is going to be 95% and 65% respectively. Gay men with other gay men, 89% lesbian women at 86%, and bisexual men and bisexual women kind of in between there. The article that I was reading and referencing listed reasons that some women gave when for those that orgasmed more than others. Uh, The reasons included receiving more oral sex, longer duration of sex, more general 
relationship satisfaction, uh, asking what they want, asking for what they want in bed. So like that communication up the chance of orgasm, more dirty talk, and among a few other reasons that are like more specific, like acting out fantasies and stuff like that. And uh, situationally, they were more likely to orgasm if the encounter included deep kissing, manual genital stimulation, and or oral sex. So, in some past episodes, we can kind of see uh, why some of the other topics we've discussed could maybe influence this. So, like the porn industry episode I did, I believe it was like episode 16 or something, I did discuss uh, the focus of heterosexual porn on the uh, penetrative sex more than any foreplay and the focus on the male orgasm or like the money shot and the male finishing being the finish of the porn. And when we were discussing dating apps and, like, hookup cultures and stuff, there's less focus on what the other person wants in these, like, hookup scenarios. There's less communication. If it's a one-night stand or super casual thing, you don't really get that practice of getting to know each other or knowing what the other person likes or maybe communicating what you like. You maybe aren't as comfortable with that person, so... You might be a little more tense, so you're less likely to orgasm. There is, when we discuss toys, there is a lot of stigma surrounding the use of toys, especially in heterosexual relationships. Uh, It can be seen as some threat to the person's masculinity or just the idea that using toys means that you and your partner aren't enough on your own. There's a lot of these stigmas where using toys for some extra stimulation, as we discussed earlier in this episode, that manual or oral stimulation can really up the in, uh, up the amount or likelihood of an orgasm from a female partner. And with hookup culture and just a lot of heterosexual sex, not necessarily all of it, but there is this idea that kind of skipping foreplay, foreplay's just kind of unnecessary evil to kind of get into doing the penetrative sex, and there's not as much focus on foreplay. And clitoral stimulation is very, very, very often ignored in heterosex uh, encounters. So I wanted to jump into why might lesbian women be experiencing so many more orgasms than hetero women. Again, the lesbian women reporting 86% of them usually or always orgasmed when sexually intimate versus heterosexual women who 65% of them reported usually or always orgasming. So why might this be? One thing could be, kind of seems pretty obvious, is the familiarity with female anatomy. With two female presenting or female identifying people, you're going to have, or even like trans female people involved in this, you're going to have a lot more of that, or trans men who transition from female, you're going to have a lot more of that familiarity with Uh, female anatomy, kind of what feels good, what to focus on, 
kind of the best way to go about these kinds of interactions. Uh, in lesbian relationships, there's generally more communication of what you want and what your partner wants. A lot of this, I would say, is due to a stigma against men asking what their partner needs. Again, with that whole questioning the masculinity, oh, if I don't automatically know what my partner wants or if I have to ask, I'm less of a man. I think that there's a lot of the stigma put on men. So I'm not just blaming men completely that women aren't, hetero women aren't orgasming much. Um, in the lesbian relationships or woman-loving woman relationships, there's also a greater focus on that oral and manual stimulation. It's not the main goal of the sex isn't penetration. It can be with like strap-ons and stuff, but there's a lot more focus on that oral and manual genital stimulation. Uh, the other part here, kind of what we discussed with the point, sex isn't expected to end when one person finishes. So in like a lot of that heterosexual sexual relationships or hetero porn, you kind of like see the man finish and then sex is done whether the woman has finished or not. And that's not really the case in, I want to say, most lesbian or woman-loving woman relationships. Uh, so what can we do to close this gap? So we can start removing some of these preconceived ideas of masculinity and heterosex, kind of questioning it in ourselves, where are these ideas coming from? Are you really less of a man if you ask what your partner wants or if you use toys or if you go down on your partner more? No. So let's like start examining that and coming out with it kind of thing. Another thing is women start asking what you, asking for what you want. There's again this kind of a stigma against women speaking out. They're kind of seen as bossy or demanding or whatever, maybe not as submissive if they ask for what they want. It's kind of it can be kind of hard to ask what you want if that's not something you're used to, but like just get in that practice. Uh men start thinking of the clitoris as the head of your penis, if someone paid attention to only the base and shaft of your dick, how likely would it be for you to reach orgasm if they just completely ignored the head? Now, let's transfer that to women who generally only get a lot of penetrative action in sexual encounters with hetero men. And just completely ignoring the clitoris. That has 8,000 nerve endings there. And it does become engorged when sexually aroused. So let's start paying more attention to it. As I kind of alluded to earlier, don't be afraid of toys. If it's better for her, it'll be better for you. If she orgasms, you're going to have a better time too, more than likely. Oh, I did... I did want to take a minute here to acknowledge that there is a gap in research uh, when it comes to trans and non-binary input. I've kind of been speaking in very binary terms here with kind of a mention of bisexual people, but this does ignore trans and non-binary people, and I would be very interested to see how their kind of numbers compare and whether they're male to female or female to male or outside of that binary, 
how that influenced the frequency at which they orgasmed. Some history also to add would be that historically, especially since like the Victorian era, women's orgasms were very much looked down on. They weren't seen as necessary to uh, procreation, which was the big focus of sex in that time. At one point in one of my textbooks, it mentioned how women who enjoyed clitoral stimulation uh, or and or could not orgasm by penetration alone were seen as frigid and were seen as kind of like broken people. So this orgasm gap is clearly not something that is new. And I would go on to bet that it has improved a lot since, like, Victorian times, or even in the last few decades. But there is still so clearly so much room for improvement, and that's not necessarily orgasm specifically, but this quest for just better sexual health for everyone is one of my biggest goals for sure in my sexual health education career path. I just want everyone to feel more comfortable communicating what they want and what they need, being more receptive to partners' communication, learning what feels good for everyone, and just kind of all of this kind of stuff is kind of is a big part of what's brought me towards sexual health education as a career path, as well as to creating this podcast. As I said, I was initially surprised that not everyone had heard of this orgasm gap already in my little polls there, but that really just affirmed to me that This is something that I want to continue doing. This is something that's important to me. Uh, There is clearly a gap (laughs) in knowledge and experience with some of these topics. I hope that I have been able to kind of maybe teach you guys something that you didn't know, whether it be this episode or any of the 20 episodes previous to this one. There's not much that I wanted to continue on this specific topic. I think I kind of covered what I wanted, some suggestions, the statistics, the acknowledgement that trans and non-binary people have been largely left out of this conversation even. I would love, love, love to look into that as a research topic even, just the trans and non-binary orgasm experiences. Um... But I would like to thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week and continuing to support me in this endeavor. I really appreciate all of you who give me feedback. If you have feedback, let me know. Shoot it to me. You know, I'm super receptive to that. I love to hear what you guys think. This is a shorter episode, but I don't want to ramble on for too much longer. So thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week. Tune in for next week's Pride Month episode as well. If you have any topic ideas that you want to hear about, shoot them to me. And yeah, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.